The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. And a happy Monday to you folks. Welcome to the Multimedia Café. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host. The Multimedia Café, a place where you never know what you're going to talk about or who you're going to run into. So if you're tuning in for the first time and you're wondering, what is the Multimedia Cafe? Well, it's a place where we have conversations about a variety of different topics that impact your life in some way or another. Because quite honestly, there's a lot of things out there that impact our life. But it seems that the majority of the programs kind of focus on about a half a dozen or so. And that's it. We run the gamut. We, In fact, this week, we're going to talk about a digital addiction. A little bit later on, on Thursday, I think we have scheduled for digital addiction. That's one of the topics. Today, we talk with Dustin Goverlow, and he's with the North Dakota Watchdog Network. They've got a big kerfuffle, brouhaha happening up there. And quite honestly, the Bakken oil field controls quite a bit of the economy up here in the upper Midwest. That's the fact of the matter. So we talked to him a little bit about how uh, he cites the North Dakota Petroleum Council several times as a reason and a reaction for some of the uh, stuff happening in North Dakota. So I challenge him a little bit on that. Uh, but anyway, getting back to what is the Multimedia Cafe, you know, we've embraced modern technology in all of its forms. So conversations here happen over the phone, maybe over Skype, FaceTime, maybe even face-to-face, the old art of face-to-face conversation. In fact, that's our preference here at the Multimedia Cafe, and we try to do as many as we can. But the important part is the content. It's the exclusive interviews. It's the experts that we bring on. The people that we bring on talk about things they know about. We don't bring on pundits to talk about things they don't know about. We don't bring on somebody who's a plumber to have them talk about, you know, how to balance your books. And vice versa, we don't bring an accountant in to talk about your plumbing. So that's what separates us from the majority of the programs out there. We don't tell you how to feel. We tell you some information, and then from there you go nuts on it. Hopefully we entertain you from time to time. I don't know. I mean, I know sometimes it can get a little boring when you start talking about facts and figures and information. I went to school already, crying out loud. But it's also useful to run your life. But at the same time, It's fun to be entertained. Like on the flip side of all the different ways that we talk to people, think about this. That girl I asked out last week, I still haven't heard from her. So she's ignoring me over Facebook. She's ignoring me over Twitter. She's ignoring me over YouTube. She's ignoring me over Snapfish. She's ignoring me over Twitchat. She's ignoring me over email, texting, telephone, face-to-face. Like I said, we have all these different ways to talk to people. But on the flip side, that's the all, all the ways that that good-looking barista is ignoring me. So anyway, I, I'm just telling you there's two, two sides to every coin. And that's what we try to do here at the Multimedia Cafe. We don't put our head in the sand and say this side doesn't exist. We say it does exist and we just kind of live with it, go with it, discuss it, have a little cafe talk, if you will. So, all right, now that I've just verbally vomited here on a Monday, which, by the way, I think that little monologue... 
was more exciting than last night's Super Bowl. Oh, that's enough of that talk. I'm sure we're sick of that today. I know I am. So let's talk about what we're going to do on today's program. Dustin Goverlow, North Dakota Watchdog Network. They're kind of a neat little organization. They keep an eye on some of the laws and areas of government, that sort of thing. So we get an update from him. And right now they're opposed to Measure 1. It passed last November, and it was a kind of a corruption-type bill. North Dakota is considered one of the most corrupt states in the nation. They consistently get Fs when it comes to ethics and um, political guidelines with uh, uh, national uh, organizations. They're um, very controlled when it comes to um, budgets and picking winners and losers uh, in terms of giving out government contracts, that sort of thing. That is just well documented. So Measure 1 came to kind of correct that a little bit. It kind of came, but what happened is is it was an extreme overcorrection. So North Dakota Watchdog Network originally opposed Measure 1, and now they're like, okay, now that it's passed, we got to find some common ground here because uh, there's some issues that really bring it a little bit too far. Um, I, I said this uh, last week that it was kind of funny because I got some press releases from the state or organizations, and right in the press releases they talk about how they had to pay for their own soft drinks uh, because lobbyists can't buy them anymore. So there's just just this real interesting kind of, um, I don't know, political debate. It's uh, kind of what... How much corruption are we going to allow and how are we going to define corruption and who's going to have ethics and how are we going to put together an ethics committee? It's interesting. It's really interesting. I mean, up there in North Dakota, they have lobbying events nightly, okay, to where the politicians are on record saying there's three or four to go to every night and they're looking for the taxpayers to give them a bigger per diem because the you know the the lobbyists can't pay for their dinners and drinks anymore so now they want the taxpayers to pay for the dinners and drinks so they can continue to meet with the lobbyists rather than meeting with the taxpayers it's it's you can't make it up so we talked to Dustin Goverlow about that it's it's rather interesting uh, it's it's just it's a battle of overcorrections it's two extremes fighting in North Dakota it's 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 really from the outside looking in it's quite entertaining, actually. All right, let's. Now that I got my kind of my sick dark side out a little bit here, because quite honestly, there's something you know. It's like when you drive by a car accident; it's tragic, but for some reason, you just keep looking at it. You just can't look away. All right, and then speaking of car accidents, uh, did you know that emergency services are extremely underfunded? Now, I'm not talking about police, and I'm not talking about uh, some of those things. I'm talking about firefighters and ambulance services and that sort of thing. I mean, 85% of ambulances, I'm sorry, 85% of firefighters in America are volunteer. They're volunteer, okay? Think about that. That's an emergency service. And we haven't figured out a system to fund uh, volunteer fire departments to the tune to where we don't have volunteer fire departments anymore. Uh, also, the same thing is with ambulance services. They are always scraping for dollars and figuring out ways to try to get funding because they're kind of lumped in that same with the fire department that um, it's a rural problem type of a thing. So we talk with Sarah Myrie, Community Ambulance Service of New Rockford. Now, Giving Hearts Day is coming up on February 14th, and what this, what this means is that nonprofits and community organizations like uh, Community Ambulance Service in New Rockford, they get an opportunity to get donations uh, matched. 
So for one day, Giving Hearts Day, a big, long, telethon-style Giving Hearts, Giving Money of organizations happening in the upper Midwest. Millions of dollars are raised for hundreds of companies. I believe it's in the hundreds now. All kinds of companies. In fact, all week long here in the Multimedia Cafe, we're going to have organizations like the Community Ambulance Service of New Rockford telling their story, saying why they need money, and then, of course, giving a reminder plug for the Giving Hearts Day, which is happening throughout the upper Midwest. Um, Now, Sarah Myrie, Community Ambulance Service of New Rockford, She'll be joining us a little later in the program. But let's get to Gus Dustin Goverlow here with the North Dakota Watchdog Network. Some interesting stuff happening. I'm looking at the clock, and I see that we are very, very pressed for time. So um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to join with Dustin Goverlow with the North Dakota Watchdog Network. And he talks about some of the kerfuffles happening in North Dakota, as well as some of the areas they're currently tracking with uh, their watchdogness, if you will. So, all right, my name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Over the past few months, I've told you about how unbelievable Hatch coaching is. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Christy Huber, president of the United Way of Cass Clay, says about Hatch coaching. I think it's a really exciting time for our young leaders today because um, leaders like Eric Hatch are changing the face of what it means to lead an organization or what it means to lead a brand. He's changing that. For many years, I think that the, the gold standard of leadership has been somebody who is very polished and has it all together or seemingly has it all together and throughout the years. Um, I think that we've now, especially with technology and social media, we are drawn to what's real. To find out more about Hatch Coaching or to have Eric Hatch speak at your event or company, visit HatchCoaching.com. That's HatchCoaching.com. Or call 701-212-1572. That's 701-212-1572. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what you're going to talk about. Coming up next, we are talking with Dustin Goverlow with the North Dakota Watchdog Network. Talks about the network, some of the laws and areas of government they're currently tracking and overseeing. And he's got a little bit of issue with the overcorrection and the now attempted to overcorrect and overcorrection with Measure 1, which passed in North Dakota last year, had to do with ethics and lobbyists and tracking monies. This is Dustin Goverlow. Dustin Goverlow, Managing Director of the North Dakota Watchdog Network. First of all, of all, before we get into uh, some of the 
meteor topics. Describe what your organization does. What is the uh, Watchdog Network? Well, we uh, simply uh, keep an eye on government. We are a, a 501c3 nonprofit, and uh, we are 100% funded by North Dakota donors. And those donors want to have a voice and a a representation in the legislature and at local government hearings um, when issues regarding taxpayer issues, property rights issues, or just overall uh, general government oversight uh, is not quite what it should be. And what it's, what's the latest one? You've, you've got a newsletter you send out. What's the latest one that you've got, uh, I guess, showcasing? Well, our last one was regarding the uh, fight over the Ethics Commission, which was passed by the voters uh, via Measure 1 in November of 2018. Oh, good. And, that's uh, one I wanted to talk to you about. So let's let's just rewind for a second. And if that's one that you guys are kind of highlighting, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Dustin on was to talk about Measure 1. Um, so in a minute, I'll have Dustin describe what it is. But what caught my attention was... Um, Shortly after the election, in some press releases and newsletters and that sort of stuff, they would actually put in there that, you know, soft drinks had to be purchased by the representatives and, and just things like that. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. You know, these professional organizations are kind of taking little digs at this measure one. So um, I wanted to reach out to you to find out what the heck it was uh, that is is still going on it's i mean it's done the, the vote's over and it's still completely heated to the tune to where aren't they trying to reverse it or try some workarounds and that sort of thing anyway so that that's about what i know and so i wanted to just bring dustin on to talk a little bit about measure one so sorry to interrupt you there but i'm, I'm glad you guys are showcasing this right now because uh that is kind of the, the meat of why i wanted to bring you on so first of all d describe uh what measure one is to you well, Measure 1 was a effort by uh, some, uh, we should call them progressive-leaning folks that uh, think that, the, uh, that, that there's too much corruption in government. And by corruption, they are referring to things like the oil industry uh, giving campaign donations to legislators and buying meals and trips for legislators uh, that they just don't think are appropriate. And uh, Measure 1 on the November 2018 ballot uh, basically put a, a, um, a new men amendment, which is now the 14th Amendment in the North Dakota State Constitution, that would create an ethics commission and would restrict the ability for private entities to influence lawmakers without disclosure and transparency and would prohibit certain activities by those folks that are generally lobbyists. And uh, we actually opposed the measure when it was on the ballot in November of last year on the basis that uh, these efforts uh, target what are called dark money organizations. Those are groups that uh, are regulated by the IRS and can take tax-deductible donations like the North Dakota Watchdog Network. And it's our view that these organizations are well-equipped to allow concerned citizens and taxpayers to donate money to causes to influence local and state government where they feel that there is uh, overreach. And our opposition to the measure to begin with was based on the fact that if 
you force us to disclose the names of our donors, it makes it very difficult for us to hold elected officials accountable because a lot of times uh, people are not willing to donate money to go after elected officials because they have to bring their own personal business and corporate business to those elected officials to get permits and permissions and, and get laws changed. And so by, by restricting the ability for organizations like ours to uh, generate revenue, to, to uh, influence good government uh, decisions, uh, you're actually uh, having a chilling effect on, on people's First Amendment rights. So that was our basis. Now, there was the, the organized opposition against it was making these claims that the average everyday citizen that goes to the legislature is going to have to file a report saying how much gas they burned going to the Capitol. That was nonsense. This, this is one of those issues where both sides were really uh, making things up as they went. And so we opposed the measure, but not for the same reasons that the vast majority of the opposition opposed them. It passed anyway with a vote of, I believe, 53% of the people, and it became part of our state constitution. But it left things wide open for the legislature to enact as far as actually establishing how the commission would be appointed. It, it, it's to be a member of five people appointed by a, a the governor and the majority leader in the Senate and the majority or minority leader in the Senate and uh the a lot of it is just wide open so the democrats uh senator tim mathern has led the charge on implementing the measure as the supporters of measure one cfet conversely uh republicans have offered up their own alternative approaches that would fill in the blanks and uh address a lot of the issues Obviously, the supporters of Measure 1 are not happy with the Republican version, and Republicans are not ver- happy with the the Democrat version. So it, we've gotten into this, this quagmire where both sides are fighting. Both sides have some legitimate claims uh, and some not-so-legitimate claims. And so the Watchdog Network has, has tried to interject itself as kind of an arbiter of uh, how things should proceed based on the fact that we are an organization that is being targeted by this effort, but we also agree that there are issues that we do need an ethics commission to deal with. We do have wide open campaign finance issues where there's not a lot of uh, rules and not a lot of transpar- transparency uh, that can be filled in. And so we support the intent of the the measures backers and the intent of the voters uh but we don't necessarily agree with either side on the specifics and so we're hoping to help uh uh moderate in in a little way uh how to get to a common sense middle ground that everybody can be happy with and and will elevate the ethical standards of of all government let me ask you a few questions Uh, dustin Goverlo with the north dakota watchdog network we're talking about measure one that happened in their last election, which is now law, part of their constitution. And it involves an ethics commission and some transparency. Excuse me. And that, okay, so I want to back up and just kind of, kind of bullet point a few things here. So previous to this, this law, um, you know, uh, 
somebody from Monsanto could go and take a a, 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 a legislator out for a trip, take take them to Hawaii and things like that. They could just take them on trips and and kind of do that sort of old school wine and dine them type of a thing. And the lawmaker didn't have to disclose any of that. Is that is that correct? The lawmaker. As far as I know, did not have to disclose. The lobbyist would have to. Okay, the lobbyist would have to if they're yes if they're a registered lobbyist. What if they're not a registered lobbyist? Well, that that's part of the issue. Mr. Dustin Governor with the North Dakota Watchdog Network. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a minute. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to continue the conversation with Dustin Governor with the North Dakota Watchdog Network. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Multimedia Cafe. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue our conversation with Dustin Goverlow with the North Dakota Watchdog Network. Okay, so, well, my my point is, is, okay, my my point is, you know, like the CEO of uh, whoever, Monsanto or whatever, uh, Harold Hamm, whatever. Yeah. They're not registered as lobbyists, okay? And right. by if they invited somebody out to dinner or did something like that, they're they're not a lobbyist, but they're probably talking about that company's specific motivation and interest and 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 that sort of thing. So I it have that it happens a lot more than I think people think. And so in North Dakota, those lawmakers would not have to you know, disclose any of that. And that's, that, that's my belief. Is that right? Under current law. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, I'm trying to understand it a little bit. Cause like I said, I, I, I read a few press releases where they even indicated that lawmakers had to now buy their own so- soft drinks, that soft drinks were not served at a meeting. And so I thought, okay, this is, so somebody's really digging it in to make sure that the point is being known. So that would fall under that same thing where, Corey Mock, who is a representative out of Grand Forks, I heard him on some program mention that there's there's an event for a lawmaker to go to every night. And he said it yes. he said it like it was a good thing. And 
I looked at it like, wow, there's that much lobbying events happening to where the lawmakers are so busy going to lobbyist events and getting the, the tabs picked up by either the lobbyist or now they're trying to pass some laws in North Dakota so the taxpayers pick up the tab. Um, when do the taxpayers get time with these people? Well, that's the issue. And and there was a legislator that at one time... Or, or, or is, that, is that the new normal? Are you the new normal that taxpayers just have to go to you? And you are now the lobbyist for? Do you know what I mean? Do, do you have to be a lobbyist to talk to lawmakers? That's that's the actual direct question, you, I guess. So sorry. You do not. <laughs> okay. You, you do not have. Not yet. You do not. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. You, you do not have to be a lobbyist to talk to lawmakers. Uh, however, you know most people are busy raising families, working jobs, building businesses, and they don't have a lot of time. So so that is our target demographic: is the people that can financially support having a, a representative in the legislature because they don't have the time to do it themselves. Um, and, and a lot of our, our donors obviously are part of other organizations that, well, that and, fulfill and, their... And keep in mind, I'm not necessarily even talking about your donors. I'm talking about just in general that, um, like Corey Mock said, it seems like there's something going on every night from a different lobbyist group and if he made it seem like, you know, they're so busy doing that stuff and they keep in mind, a lot of these guys have jobs on top of this. Um, do is is are, are you the last, you know, are, are you the new normal that, you know, grassroots organizations? Is that the only is that the new way to access politicians is my question, I guess, is that do they have to go through lobbyist groups or? I know they can just pick up the phone and call, and I know they can just email them, but there's been so many reporters and so many studies done that the majority of them don't respond back to the average person. They just don't. And this just kind of seemed like it kind of it smoked it out a little bit. I don't know. I'm, um, t- talk to me about what, what the, your observation is with the representatives um, and the people. Are they talking to the average person anymore? Is it primarily just the lobbyist groups like, you know, the measure one kind of makes it seem like. Well, the, as far as the average people, there's usually not a lot of average people that come down to the session. Uh, it's usually when we uh, see big, big ticket items or, uh, you know, gun bills or property rights bills. Those are, those are what draw the regular folks in the capital. Uh, as far as the, the, the dinners and the, the receptions usually they're called receptions for lawmakers every night there is at least one if not multiple groups you know be it uh private industry trade organizations or you know the association of counties or or public interest groups um where you know they'll have meat and cheese platters and you know you listen to them uh give their spiel about what bills are good and what bills are bad and, and how lawmakers should support them at every turn. I mean, that, that's, that's been the norm forever. And, and frankly, uh, you know, there's something called the social calendar that gets put on the legislators desks actually, where the, the, the official legislative management system, uh, lets them know where these events are. So it, it's, it's been promoted over the years that legislators go to these things because it's a networking situation. That's sad. And, 
That's and, sa- and, yeah, and so sorry. yeah, the, the the issue is. No, it's just it's just sad that that, that you got to be a company to get their attention because I I I, I didn't see any you know Boy Scout meetings or anything like that that they were attending to to kind of find out what you know what what do what do den mothers want to know which bills are important right now why do you have to be a company or throw a, a wine and cheese cotillion in order that's what i mean by it's kind of sad because that that's been my observation too that that has increased dramatically over the 10 over the last 10 years in north dakota to where now it's just it's it's quid pro quo it's to the tune to where they, what, what was that bill they were trying to pass where they want them to have some more lunch money, um, uh, bigger per diem to pay to kind of yeah. to kind of offset yeah. this, right? Well, actually, that is to offset the fact that a lot of them lost their write-offs on the, the federal tax reform bill last last year that goes into effect this year. Okay. Previously, they they were able to write off their expenses in the federal taxes, uh, you know, if they itemized, and so now this is actually a offset because they don't want to pay t- higher taxes of the federal government wow that's um yeah that's that's uh, go back to the sad part for a minute where there's so many um functions by lobbyists and organizations that uh their their, their staff is even you know picking and choosing which ones they should attend that make a social calendar so that that's kind of interesting in itself that they could even do that um that's how partisan it really is getting isn't it that i mean you can't you can't even hire an executive director without somebody thinking that you've got a political motivation behind like i say you're the girl scouts and all of a sudden you know you're not on the social calendar because you donated to a party 20 years ago or something like that that's that's i mean it's it's to that level of paranoia and reality actually isn't it to where they have social calendars. I'm sorry, man. I just, it's kind of sad to me. It's kind of, I'm, I'm processing some of this as we talk. So anyway, uh, talk to me about that a little bit though, about how they are down to the sodas and, and some of the wine and cheese and that sort of thing. So that must be problematic for some of these organizations. Then um, that must've been a draw to, to, you know, kind of pay, have their dinners and, and, and drinks and that sort of thing. Will the state representatives go to these without that? Uh, well, that's the question. And, and with, you know, that's, it's not law yet. I mean, so, so that's what they're hashing over is what those regulations will be, what powers the ethics commission will have. Uh, you know, currently the rules state that uh, if you are a lobbyist and you spend more than $60 on any one legislator or um, that you, in the entire session that you have to report that well what they do is they pool their money and they say okay if we have 60 legislators come to this event and we spend six hundred dollars on on food and booze for those legislators uh then that's only ten dollars per legislator and we don't have to report that so that that's how these organizations function and and getting back to your issue of access it's all it all depends on how much they can afford you know, so if you can afford to put together a lunch or a dinner or something uh, and get their attention, uh, then, then you can do that. And, you know, it's up to each individual legislator to decide how much attention they give the, the folks that are paying versus the folks that can't pay. Uh, one Republican legislator had the concept of uh, that nobody should be able to buy them more than a Big Mac, you know. 
because a regular person can take your legislator and, you know, buy his Big Mac meal and have a 20 minute conversation. You know, that's a level. Anything more than that is, is excessive. And that was Dustin Gubberlow with the North Dakota Watchdog Network. Be sure to check out our Facebook page at the Multimedia Cafe. It's at Facebook and Multimedia Cafe. All of our interviews can be found in their entirety right there at our Facebook page with the Multimedia Cafe. Coming up next, we talk with Sarah Myrie with the Community Ambulance Service of New Rockford. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Even when the earth crumbles under my feet Even when the ones I love Turn around and crucify me I won't ever ever let you down I won't fall, I won't fall I won't fall as long as you're around me Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Even when the rain Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Sarah Myrie with the Community Ambulance Service of New Rockford about some of the services they provide, giving hearts day, and the need for emergency services in rural areas. This is Sarah Myrie. Well, our ambulance service started in 1971. Um, we serve Eddy County and three townships in our area. We cover up to 800 square miles. Um, we currently have 35 volunteers within our ambulance service. Um, we provide pre-hospital emergency medical services. Um, we also offer training as far as um, monthly trainings for our squad. We offer EMT classes, EMR, NCCR, CPR classes, and um, we're fortunate enough now to be part of the Big Giving Hearts Day on February 14th. Our, organi our organization was able to participate in this big fundraiser. Talk to me about your history and relationship with Giving Hearts Day. Is this your first year, your second, third, fourth year? How did you guys uh, get involved with it? It's our first year. Um, we, I know of other local organizations that have been part of it. So I went ahead and signed up for it and went to the training, to all the trainings for it and stuff. So it's our very first year. So we're feeling very overwhelmed, but they say that's a normal feeling to feel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's, you know, uncharted waters, that type of thing. Have you been talking to other cities or other organizations or just people that, um, you know, are helping calm some of those waters, I guess? Yeah, we do. We I have been to multiple trainings in the Fargo, Grand Forks area, talking to other nonprofit agencies, um, getting different ideas on how they um, network and outreach to area businesses and they say that, you know, every year gets better. You know, you build your um, 
volunteer base and you get your donors. And so the first year is very overwhelming, but the next year after that um, continues to grow. So, yeah, I've been to several several trainings um, in Fargo gearing up and being ready for this day. So Community Ambulance Service of New Rockford, is New Rockford growing like everywhere else in western North Dakota? It is. Um, we cover New Rockford, Cheyenne area. The problem is, is all of our volunteers have been on the squad for 35 years or so. Um, so it's really hard to find new volunteers. Um, everybody's maxed out on volunteering for every organization, it seems like. But um, so we've had to hire um, a few EMTs and a paramedic to cover our service area. So that's why we are looking for donations and raising money to cover these um, costs. So one of the questions I like to ask people is where do the resources go to a general fund or specific needs? It sounds to me like um, you guys do have some specific needs out there, huh? Yeah, we do. Um, we it's it goes into a general fund, but um, you know we've had managers in the past. But you know we cover twenty four hours, seven days a week, and we staff um, two EMTs and one CPR driver at all times. Hmm. Um, by state law, you're only required to have one driver and one EMT, but um, we never want to throw anybody in the back of a rig. Um, by themselves because we just don't we don't have the call volume like say Bismarck or Fargo does you know yeah I get that um talk to me a little bit about the 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 challenges that you guys have um you've mentioned a few and the the way I want to phrase this is you know when you look at different emergency responders and that type of thing uh, take like the police department, and generally they're pretty well funded in the grand scheme of emergency services. When you do the flip side of, say, firefighters, where 85% of firefighters in America are volunteer. And you just yes. mentioned the word volunteer multiple times, and you know you guys are like a community ambulance service. So talk to me a little bit about the funding and some of the challenges and just that whole emergency services industry, because I don't think people understand when you start getting out of cities, it's mostly volunteer. Well, that's correct. Um, you know, we have calls that are 20 miles away from us. Our, our nearest hospital is 15 miles away. Um, one of the biggest challenges this year we were facing is our state funding got cut tremendously. Um, we used to get like $150,000 a year and it went down to like $30,000. Um, and what the state wants us to do is all these little um, ambulance services join forces with the hospitals. And that's a huge issue here in the New Rockford Cheyenne area because of our, our service area. And if we depended on Carrington Hospital to be there, um, it would take close to an hour. So um, anyways, the state is revisiting all of this because um, if we end up doing that, the, the time response for a real emergency would be the person probably wouldn't survive, especially in a cardiac situation. Um, so it's a real challenge to recruit volunteers. Our funding's being cut. Um, so we're basically trying to survive on our own, and our local area has just been, you know, um, 
generous and trying to support every way because they know um, it's vital to have in this area you know we have a nursing home here we our population population is elder all elderly mostly um, so you know we get a lot of calls and I just can't imagine having to wait someone calling 911 and having to wait 35 40 minutes for an ambulance that's just too late yeah I, I remember a lot of these uh, stories of course when the Bakken was first um, being to just boomed out in 2012, um, you know, you had places that had never even gotten more than a couple service calls in a year, let alone now. Yeah. It's just, it's more routine and right. just trying to adjust to those growing pains is such a, oh, it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing for communities to endure. Let's just put it that way. Um, Sarah Myrie with Community Ambulance Service of New Rockford is our guest. We're talking about Giving Hearts Day, February 14th, impactgiveback.org slash givingheartsday. Uh, let's talk about your local outreach and then social outreach. And then at the end, I'd like to give the guests a quick elevator pitch to let people know why they should be donating to their organization. So local outreach, are you guys doing anything locally there to um, kind of drum up some interest, et cetera? Yeah, we are. Um, we're actually on that day, February 14th. Um, we're having a luncheon at our community ambulance service building from 11 to 2. Um, we're doing a soup and salad bar, free will donations, having some door prizes. Um, we've gotten the school involved. Um, the local media class has um, did a video for us that there's a video contest going on. So for, you know, you vote every day through vision bank and Fargo. So they've been a great help. Um, outreach as far as, you know, in the newspaper, on the radio, um, letters, postcards being sent out. We're all working really hard, um, to get people on board and to people that are snowbirds or the people that have a connection to this area, um, or have a loved one that lives in this area to donate to this service. I mean, we're out there. I mean, yesterday we had three calls and it was, you know, wind chill of 60. We're out there volunteering, um, and, and going out on these calls in the middle of the night. Um, this is a vital organization to keep going in this community. Um, we're always looking for volunteers. Um, we're hoping this Giving Hearts Day will, you know, our goal is to raise 10000 and every year after that, hopefully it increases. But, yes, you can go on um, online, and all you'd have to do is type in our zip code or Community Ambulance Service to donate. And that was Sarah Myrie with Community Ambulance Service of New Rockford. And that's going to do it for today's episode of the Multimedia Cafe. Thank you, folks, for joining us here. I'd like to thank Sarah Myrie once again with Community Ambulance Service of New Rockford, as well as Dustin Goverlow with the North Dakota Watchdog Network. Thank you both for coming on today's program and sharing your expertise and insight. The Multimedia Cafe will be back tomorrow at this time on this station. For more information, check out thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Thecrudelife.com carries all of the interviews as well as the programs. From the staff at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice.
Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 